Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. With me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell West. And it has turned sunny and spring-like and um, generally pleasant. Yeah, as soon as you finish this, I'm off back to the garden. Yep. Why aren't you recording this in the garden? The Jingle Beast. Oh, right. Next door's dog, which which is maturing into the Yap Beast. Oh, there are so many terrible beasts roaming High Wycombe at the moment. Uh, this month, we're going to be talking about, um, well, not to put too fine a point on it, madness, my lord, madness. Yeah, well, what do we actually mean by it? Is there a reasonably sensible way to portray it in games? What, and, what is it good for? Uh, madness. Well, yes, madness. What is it good for? Um, and also, we're going to be borrowing a philosophical idea to look at how you construct imaginary worlds as a cooperative world-building exercise. But first, Roger wishes to thank some people. Uh, yes, uh, Glenn Lewis and Dirk the Dice have sent us money. This encourages us to keep doing the show. Thank you very much. Touch uh, of the forelock, Gov. Touch of the forelock. If you would like to join this august bunch, uh, paypal.me slash rogerbw and put a note for what it's for. And uh, we, we will thank you too. Roger is having an enthuse about um, something in the current bundle of holding. As we regularly say, they send us the stuff to preview free, and we mention it if we think there's something worthwhile. And this month, Roger does. What you got, Roger? This is hostile. And oh well, don't point it at me. What? Yes, indeed, it's a bundle of hostility. Um, so, all right, there, there is an official. Alien RPG, which we have played. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's very modern, hmm. <laughs> he said kindly, in the manner of a man with a long grey beard. Actually, it's going white in, in several places. Yes. I, just thought, I just thought I'd mention how envious I am that you're going white faster than I am. <laughs> uh so, yeah, so we, we, we played that, and I think it would be fair to say that in terms of game mechanics, that is a fairly blunt scale. I mean, you, you have things that go from, you know, one mm. to five and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, what this is, is the Cepheus engine, which is which an OGL the... fork from Mongoose Traveller V1 that we talked about recently. Yeah. So, so basically, in in terms of you know, recognizability of mechanics, it's Traveller, mm-hmm. um, and it is the unofficial, unlicensed, but oh boy, the influences are a bit obvious. Uh, Alien and Aliens and Outland and maybe a bit of Blade Runner and that general style of film. Okay, so we are talking grim and we are talking gritty and in space. Yeah, so. I mean, this this is a a style that I like anyway. Yeah, uh, I have indeed run a campaign, uh, uh, generally known as the D- Dirty Grey Space Game. Which yeah, moral, moral, moral uh, my 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 self righteous characters colliding against your moral ambiguity, as I remember it. That's what we want. Uh, so, yeah, I'm possibly because I played Aliens, and you know, no no uh, shame on the GM who did a great job. But I think we were all struggling a bit with that system, and at least for people like me, this is a much more conventional system, and it is thus easier to get on with. Yeah. Obviously, I would use GURPS, because there's really nothing that Traveller does, or Traveller-esque does, that GURPS doesn't. Yeah. Um, Um, And I know GURPS, but, you know, it's dead easy to convert stuff, and... It, it, the the core point are it's quite easy for PCs to die from space hazards, high tech yeah. weapons, possibly wielded by their fellow PCs, alien <laughs> greeblies, all this stuff. So, yeah, the setting there is actually a separate setting book. It, it's not so much hard SF as 
you it, it it's grungy, it's grimy, it's industrial. You know how this works because you have seen the films. And if you haven't seen the films, well, probably you should go and see them. Apart from anything else, they're jolly good. And th- there's some stuff about nation states, but basically the companies run everything and you're out on the shop and bitey end of things. Yeah. Um, the thing that struck me particularly was the Marine Corps handbook. Now, you may have read um, the, what was it, the Colonial Marines Technical Manual. Uh, no, and then again, I may, I may not have. Okay, right. it was it was quite popular back in the day. Uh, by Lee Birmingham Wood, he basically got a lot of access to production drawings and stuff like yeah. that, and then combined that with um, real-world U.S. Marine Corps tactical doctrine, organisation, yeah. that sort of thing. And this is very much the same idea, except without the access to the, to the technical drawings. Uh, so, I mean... Yes, they they start off. Yes, we yes we have you know one, one smart gunner in, e- in each uh, fire team of four, and we we have this um, yeah machine gun on on a sling because you got to have a machine gun on on a powered sling. But on the other hand, they've built that out into yes we've talked to actual marines who know how this stuff is meant to work. So rather than just here's what's convenient for the film, we say here is an actual table of organisation. Um, actual doctrines in terms of fire support and so on. Hmm. And I really rather like it, I've got to say. Um, all right, it doesn't bother to say whether the dropship can hover, which I feel is a thing that it's quite important to know. Hmm. Uh, it, it's shown with wheels, uh, but, you know... Yeah, I, 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 the places they're going, the number of runways they're going to have to take a get-up speed on uh, is going to be minimal. Well, that's what I feel. But um, so that. The, fo- the focus here is being down on the ground and fighting things? The focus of this book, yeah, the Marine Corps Handbook, it, it, it mentions... Um, I mean, there, there is clearly some occasional space combat, but that is not the focus of any of the books here. No, quite. Uh, it's I mean, something there, there... You, you want a good hand wave for rather than... Um... Rather than any great detail, there is a one of the books in this offer is gunboats and shuttles, uh, which is basically a catalogue of vehicles. But that's basically that's essentially as big as it gets. We do have stats for the bigger ships, and if you wanted to use uh, by default traveller rules for fighting a space battle, you could. But that's, oh. that there is no you know space navy campaign. Yeah, book. because uh, because if there were, somebody might be coming to your rescue. <laughs> well, there's that. Um, Can I just say in passing that Gunboats and Shuttles is a very, very old traveller title for a a book. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, all right. They have a John Glenn class of carrier, and that makes a lot of sense because he was a USMC astronaut. They also have Grissom and Shepard classes, and Shepard is misspelt, and neither of those guys were USMC, and there were other USMC astronauts, but that's an artistic decision, and it should Mm -hmm. not irk me as much as it does. But I will definitely re- rewrite that if I use it myself. Um, you, you, you know, you are you are assuming that it is an artistic decision and not just ignorance. Yes, I am. I feel All right, that's that way. being nice, isn't it? Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, there's some pretty good stuff on running military campaigns. So the, the um, author clearly assumes that running military campaigns will be a new thing to the typical reader, which is an interesting approach. Wrong. Um, and you you can tell that um, he's he's not quite the standard U.S. sensibility because he actively suggests encouraging uh, players to put their characters in leadership roles. Hmm. Uh, and my experience, I th- may have mentioned this before, is that running games with British players, uh, they're all, always very reluctant to be the guy in charge, whereas American players usually jump straight into it. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, as you may have observed, partially American in that. <laughs> maybe my hypertrophic sense of responsibility. Um, the other thing is, it's it's a really the smallest unit that gets deployed would be the squad, and probably it would be the platoon. And really, you ought to have uh, that sort of number of people involved because actual military, other than special operations, generally doesn't deal with four guys. Yeah, and um, the, the, it, suge- the suggestion here is you have NPC grunts. Um, yeah. to, fill, to fill out the squad roles. 
Mm. And there there are some ways of, of handling them in a simplified manner. And I rather like that. I mean, it makes a lot more sense than uh, my, my... Yeah, consider Aliens, the film. Yeah. You, you've got this planet that's full of out of touch. You are going to the expense of sending a great big ship. Mm-hmm. Which has on it two dropships, two APCs, everything for two squads. Yeah. Is the cost of putting a second actual squad on that ship really so much extra that you can't simply do that? You forget, my son, that this is a universe controlled by accountants. Yes, but it's such a tiny marginal cost; it gets lost in 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 the in the uh, footnotes. I, su- I suggest you talk, talk to uh, to an American teacher and discover <laughs> how many um, how many necessary things can be nitpicked away over decades of abusing a profession. Yeah, fair. Um, anyway, I mean, you do get to do things other than shoot aliens. Um, there's some very nice advice on mission design, which is basically. Mm-hmm. You ideally you want both a conventional physical danger and some kind of non-physical obstacle that will then combine to cause something really horrible to happen, like yeah, an admin snafu or a glory hound officer, or you know, you you take a you counter hijack the hijacked shuttle, and then you discover that the that the hijackers are escaped slaves, something like that. Yeah, some sort of thing yeah. thing that can't be readily solved by shooting it. What's on the mission briefing and uh, what it's really about? Yeah. Uh, and generally, I'm really pretty impressed with this. Okay. Uh, I, there are other books too. This is not just a military game. I mean, there, there's um, there's Crew Expendable, which is the... Uh, basically, you, you, you are freight haulers in space. Um, there are books about clones and androids, uh, books about world, uh, being, being the first in world surveyor, yeah, uh, books about building plausible colony worlds and the sort of horrible things that can happen to them. Uh, there's even a, bo- a dedicated book on wilderness survival, presumably for for when your dropship gets shut down and, and you have to track round half the planet to get to the rescue. But the the core assumption here is that you are going to be marines. Um, Not really. Um, Not really. I mean, as I say, that that is the Marine Corps handbook, and yes, there are there are, there is a book of guns. Um, but I think the general assumption is you are just some kind of working stiff. They are, they are trying to cover all, all the possibilities. I mean, if you wanted to do it as Outlander, if you wanted to do it as Alien, that would not be difficult. You've got the support for yeah. that here. And yeah, quite apart from anything else, I'm definitely going to steal uh, some of the setting and scenario ideas next time I run this sort of game. Um, can't really comment on the rules beyond, well, they basically work. I mean, this is Traveller, this is Mongoose Traveller we talked about. It, it gets the job done. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm really quite surprised how much I enjoyed um, going through this. All right, well, I think we can uh, we can definitely officially declare you a, a grognard <laughs> and uh, move on to the next thing. Uh, just to say that is going till the 4th of April, uh, or indeed May. So- uh, yeah, May, May. We're, we're in May, April. We're, we're doing for May. The uh, third or fourth big role-playing game to come out was Call of Cthulhu. And I have a friend, a regular player in one of my games, who says to me that one of the greatest pleasures he can find in life is coming to the end of a Call of Cthulhu scenario, though not a campaign, um, and going uh, theatrically and scene-chewingly and over the top, mad as a hatter. Hmm. Um, he finds this a pleasurable thing to do. And this, as long with a thread that within this m- month's alarms and excursions about uh, whether there were mad magicians as well as mad scientists. Well, um, I, th- I think the answer to that is yes, because look at all those animal crossbreeding experiments, but go on. Yeah, ask, ask Dr. Moreau. Um, he's the man who knows. But I thought I would take a look, we would take a look, 
at the idea of madness, at the idea of insanity, and its uses and perils in a game. Now, I think there are two sorts of depiction of mental strangeness, mental illness in a game. There's the theatrical storytelling uses, the cackling um, madman, or there's the person who looks at you with sweet sincerity and said, well, of course, then I had to chop her arms off. And then there's the depiction of something nearer reality. Mm. I think I'm right in saying that it's the realistic depiction that is going to cause you the most problems with triggering things and with um, and and with players saying, please, can we no, not go there? Well, that's interesting, because my experience is just the opposite. Okay, you... Um, you because you, I, I have met quite a, quite a few people who have had, let us say, interactions with the mental health system to a greater or lesser extent. Yeah, well... I've um, gamed with quite a few of them. Yeah. And generally speaking, they are entirely... Um, happy with the realistic stuff because generally if it is being realistic, at least in my experience people are treating it with a certain amount of sympathy I mean, look at the actual numbers Uh, people with uh, mental illnesses are vastly more likely to be victims than villains Um, but of course you know they make make normal people uncomfortable and so that that tends to bias things, it's better now than it was but it's still not great um, whereas well, the well, the cackling madman is it, it's a parody. I mean, it's 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 like uh, blackface in a way, in that it's saying here is this thing that actual people have, and I'm going to do this exaggerated version of it without really knowing what it is. I hmm, this is going to be where one of those places where traditional artistic tropes clash with modern awareness. There's, there's hardly a shortage of those in Lovecraft. No, quite. But the to, to be fair, Lovecraft's stories are much more. This has been too much for me, and I'm, go- I'm going to uh, retreat from reality a bit, which is perhaps not accurately um, depicting mental illness, but it's not wildly wrong. Mm. Whereas in games. It's much more, well, I'm going to carry on being perfectly normal, except I'm going to be lighting fires a lot, or I'm suddenly going to snap and attack my fellow PC for, for, for three rounds, and things like that, which is, is much less close to anything realistic, um, yeah. and much more, yeah, okay, let's have some fun with this. Is it worth the, is it worth the effort? Oh, that's, go- that's going to sound callous, and I don't mean it that way, <laughs> but... Is it going to be worth the research effort to get something right when, for the purposes of the story, which may well not last long, um, it's uh, um, a, a, a crude and brisk caricature will do better. It will move the story along. It will um, give clear, if crazed, motivation well, for various things. Please understand, I'm not saying that they are not villains. I'm just saying that insanity is not cognate with villainy. No. Um, hmm. What other uses now, do the, we the, have? The point of insanity, in, in a legal sense, for example, is that you do not understand that this action you are taking will have this consequence. Yeah, uh, the, the legal definition of insanity is was written by lawyers and not by... Yes, by but, it, but it's a useful one. Is it? Yeah, because okay. uh, if if I, <laughs> I mean, to some extent, it's it's do do did I have a choice in the matter? I mean, we all have things that we want to do that we decide not to do. Hmm. Somebody who decides, oh, I can't be bothered um, to to resist the um, voice that says, oh, it would be really easy to nick that, whatever. Hmm. is not treated sympathetically. Um, somebody who, who uh, decides that they, they it would be so much easier if they, if they just murdered their spouse 
uh, is also generally not treated sympathetically. Insanity, you know, this is not things that people normally do. This is not things that normal people do. But yeah. well, uh, that on. does not mean they are mad. The, the, I don't know that... I was looking at, for some reason, the case of Sweet Fanny Adams, a Victorian child who was out of the blue murdered by one of her, her neighbours. Mm-hmm. Now, the man took... Now, this is where I, I, I say that uh, the McNaughton rules, the, definition, the legal definition of insanity, isn't, use, isn't useful except to lawyers. The man took rational steps to, um, uh, to deny um, that he had, had, had done any such terrible thing. But he had taken ridiculous, ridiculous risks, and acted on impulse. And when he got back um, to his home, he took out his secret diary from its secret hiding place, and wrote in it, uh, "Today I killed a girl. The weather was fine." Mm-hmm. Um, now he is clearly not operating in um, a series of. He's not operating in a, a series of impulses, thoughts, and motivations that has anything to do with normal uh, normal definitions of sanity. But legally, he was sane, and legally, they hanged him. And um, therefore, actually, this is getting off the point, I think. But therefore, I, I say that somebody can be not. Not uh, not conv- convinced that that killing somebody is a um, is a righteous and good thing to do, but there they can be um, still very far from what we would normally call sane. There's also a, th- a thing that I've considered a few times. I don't think I'm actually going to do it um, because it would annoy the players. But when you consider what your typical party of cool Cthulhu or similar investigators get up to, yeah. It would be very easy to say, well, actually, you guys were just being a bit deluded. You, you've built these huge imaginary edifices on a, on a trivia of evidence. And you have, in fact, murdered a bunch of people for essentially looking at you funny. That would be... That, uh, that, that would be uh, the worst bait and switch in the world. Probably. It would. But... I think it's worth considering. I mean, to the near edge of madness hmm. overlaps substantially with you are awkward and not fitting in with society. Yeah. Uh, historically, even more so. I mean, look at the number of women who were confined as hysterics or otherwise insane because they decided that they wanted to have some say over whom they were going to marry. Yeah. Uh, so, this this is all great role playing fodder, as far as I'm concerned, but it, it, it doesn't be, but... mesh well with the the, the cackling ha ha ha. Now I will destroy the world, sort of. Well, insanity. what it doesn't what it doesn't mesh well with in that particular case is the player char- the player's sense of being their characters. And to say say no, you were the mad ones all along. Isn't really going to um, oh sure 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 isn't going, to, isn't going to cut it. I think it, there could be an incident um, uh, like the Buffy episode Normal Again, in which they suddenly have cause to doubt their reality. But um, uh, but but I don't I don't think um, going through and confirming. Uh, that uh, they were they were mad all along is all right. Let's talk about the limits of madness that players will voluntarily choose to take on. Compulsions. There's a if we look at the GURPS um, disadvantages section in the characters book. There's a great swathe of um, mental oddity mm-hmm. in there ranging from the phobias to outright uh, multiple personality. And 
I think it's interesting the limits on what characters, what players rather, will choose to impose on their characters voluntarily um, and the things they won't go for. Um, the, the game de designers say of several traits, mostly the evil ones, that this is intended for NPCs and op opponents of the party only. Mm. But um, people do dance close to to um, some very odd behaviour and seem to have fun doing it. Well, like consider that. things like On the Edge, mm. which gets you a bonus when you do something dangerous and stupid. Yeah, uh, which is... Uh, I don't think this is going to shock anybody, which is quite the opposite of how I tend to play. Yeah, but more to the <laughs> point, if, if, if somebody like that is in the party, then you are at greater risk... Yeah. Because they are going to be doing dangerous and stupid things all the time, and some of those are going to have fallout. Hmm. On the other hand, we have, um, in the game that you're currently running, a very strange clean-up artist uh, <laughs> who, is, uh, who, who is having... Everybody seems to be having fun with their compulsions except me. I'm just worrying a lot. Compulsive warrior? Uh... Yeah, all right. I should, I should have taken the points, shouldn't I? <laughs> There, there is a stage in GURPS at which I realise, hang on a minute, I'm going to play this character this way anyway. I must well be getting the points for it. Hmm. All right. Is it always going to... I think we're coming. Uh, we're going to circle around to the point at which um, we have to ask our players, and I think we should probably ask our players in almost any um, horror game any or any game um, in which it involves psychological themes whether they're okay with things hmm. now, this oh, yeah. is a, this is a, a an art that i have not yet mastered for two reasons the first is spoilers and the second is i know from myself that i'm not aware of all my triggers i consider the x card to be a brilliant invention and a, a very useful one especially for tournament play to somebody say, can we can we rewind? Can we stop? Can we not go down this route? Yeah, I, I can't remember whether I've said on this thing before, but but it is certainly my intention that I I will probably use that or something like it at any future games I run mm. with strangers, maybe in maybe yeah. uh, friends as well. It, it's obviously a bit harder with the online thing, um, but I, I did it at um, convocation last year and that worked fine. Hmm. Nobody actually needed to use it, but it was there. And I think this is the point. It's not that it should be used. It's that it is there and people know that it is there. Do you think you can give a sufficient um, advance warning on a horror game without spoiling everything? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't need to be detailed, but I would say, you know, body horror or... There will be insanity in this. I will. I'll be aiming to depict it fairly realistically, or mm. something of that sort. Okay. I've got a feeling that fairly realistically is. It's not according to the, um, to, uh, to according to the standard tropes, and it requires a fair bit of knowledge and/or experience to do really well. Or research. And or, oh, oh uh, no, I need to do more research. What a shame. Yeah, being taught. I'm, I'm not at all sure I would know how to dig into that particular... Um... Uh, talk to some of the charities. Oh, that's a good thought, yes. They, they've got some good uh, layman-accessible material on the sort of mental problems that get people into trouble without, mm. you know, necessarily you know, the big stuff. Uh, it... so, that, so there's that... I'm, I, I would like to argue, I'm, I'm not the first person to, to make this argument, that um, one place where Call of Cthulhu did this a great disservice was uh, when, a, when a PC hits zero sanity, then they are functionally uh, unable to be a PC anymore. Yeah. And that yeah that's, it's not great, but it's okay. Um, but in the published adventures... Your typical cultist and certainly your typical cult leader has very low or zero sanity. 
And if zero sanity means you can't function in society, well, who is this guy who is running a cult? He, he is in, he's acting in society. He's saying, you know, we have patrons. We, we, we are an entirely harmless organization, honest. He, he's, it's, it you know, can be a yeah, public yeah, figure. Yeah, the, the, but it, I, th- I think that the, who he is, he is the guy, guy who turns to you and says, and then I cut her legs off because I had to, obviously. He is, Yes, he's but still, he's he, still, he, he, like 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 the murderer in the Annie Adams case, he is still out outwardly functional. He is still um, aware that other people would disapprove of what he's doing, but his the core of his being has done a one eighty away from what is healthy and sanity, and is now operating on horrendous, uh, monstrous. Um, assumptions sure. about what is right and what is good. Now, I suspect that uh, the, uh, the the player characters who go off Doolally running into the woods, if they if they survive the woods for a while, are going to meet um, similar uh, as, as similar hearted souls who uh, will explain to them that this is the way that you can serve the great old ones now, and that uh, and that it's inevitable, and uh, that's probably. Yeah, I've never seen that done before, but how about um, being called up by your, your great uncle uh, but who was terribly worried about something? And he told, no, no, everything is fine. I, I have joined a new church, and um, I'm, I'm, perfectly, I'm perfectly good. There is a small job you could do for me. And only later discovering that you've been working for the bad guys all along. Yeah, I mean, in, in my life, this is usually somebody I, th- I thought I had some time for saying they've just discovered cryptocurrency, but it's a similar principle. Oh, dear. Let, let's not get, get into the modern infectious form of internet-born insanity, or we might be going down the rabbit hells ourselves. Well, I mean, particularly if one's, right, if one's uh, running stuff in the modern day, I think it's worth considering uh, this whole... This person, this person I know, this relative, friend, whatever, is suddenly spouting stuff that I know is garbage, or indeed yeah. stuff that I haven't heard of. But when, but when I give it a quick poke, it looks like garbage. Is a thing that a lot of us have experience of. True. Yeah. And so that 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 I think would be a perfectly good introduction to a game. It's not necessarily insanity. Um, I mean. Well, and, unless you're going to say that uh, all, all religious feeling is insanity, which I I know you wouldn't, and even I probably wouldn't. Uh, you know, people join churches; they they have it. They have a genuine thing that feels to them like divine experiences. Uh, yeah. That's not mad, in part because it is a thing that a lot of people do. Okay, we're, if we're drifting towards the um, norma- <laughs> uh, normal uh, sanity is what everybody thinks. Uh, school of thought, in which case we'll, we'll, there will be an epistemological rant of, well, of longer than this uh, podcast can uh, tolerate. There's certainly some of that. I mean, somebody who now thinks that it is perfectly reasonable for a man to have the only bank account in the household would yeah. be considered a bit bloody weird. Whereas 50 years ago, a little bit weird, and 100 years ago, well, yes, obviously everybody does that. So... I get, I get the feeling that 50, 50 years ago you had to kick and scream to get separate accounts for uh, for the wife. Um, my mother used to tell a story of going to a parents' day for uh, for my brother and confronting the headmaster about something. And uh, he said, uh, I will speak to the father of this boy. At which point my mother going, what? Could be heard for miles around. <laughs> My father was running to the exit at that moment. So. I think. I think my point was that some instances of people joining new religions clearly are harmless. Some some of the organisations are parasitic, and in, in an occult game, some of them are going to be really parasitic. Yeah, uh, I was. I was going to make the point that. But sorry, but madness on. is not. It's not an early stage of this. These are all. Yeah, you know, these are reasonable reactions that people have to real world reasonable things, and you're actually going mad. It, it probably comes a lot later when you start, you know, perceiving the true horribleness of the universe and stuff like that. Um, I, I think I shall say to all the to, to, all, to the dozens of psychologically qualified people who are doubtless listening to this, yeah, is yes, yes, we know going mad is not a technical term. Mm-hmm. Just the. Uh, 
I was going to say that the storytelling version of insanity, mental illness, whatever, is um, is always going to concentrate on a few conditions which are actually pretty rare, but which are very, very useful in story terms. Multiple personality, which some people don't think actually exists. Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a good argument that um, the actual separate consciousness is, is not a thing that has ever been well documented mm. amnesia on the other hand is is yeah but but there's amnesia real, as, but... as it happens and then there's the cinematic i just woke up and i have no idea who i am which is vanishingly rare yeah um one does wish that uh, uh and and then there's the genius serial killer who is uh exceedingly rare mm. and uh, i mean very worrying when it do- does a- does occur but it's mostly the 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 tactical advantages of being one man with no motive going out and killing people in scattered places who are only related because to your own internal desires the the other uh, thing uh, is uh, that um from a storytelling point of view this is great because not only is it a single villain you can put a face on it's a villain who is largely disconnected from societal trends i mean somebody who is for example mugging people to feed his family you, you start mm-hmm. to get a bit of moral ambiguity but somebody who is just cutting up usually women usually young pretty women because because yeah. he wants to and he doesn't care what they think is is unambiguously a villain and you can do whatever you like with him in a narrative sense. Yeah. The uh, the I I got the feeling though I'm not prepared to do all that research that real mental illness is a lot more a lot less immediately dramatic under mm. most circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, and. And perhaps a lot more interesting from a story point of view, but I'm not sure it bent, lends itself to um, collective storytelling, to um, a group of people putting the story together around a table. The other thing in that regard that that I've read in, in accounts of people who've had fairly major problems and then at least got better enough to write about them is that it was generally not a, a sudden revelation and, my goodness, I need to do this. It was a very slight drift of, well, I don't really like that thing, I do like this thing a bit more, that seems that seems quite reasonable. Mm. It, it's, it's, a, it's a slow process without big obvious steps in it, for the most part. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, let, let us absolutely agree, sensitivity, good. Yeah. Uh, for me, the answer to that is lots of research. I think sensitivity, good, and... Um, and storytelling storytelling always comes first because that's what we're doing but there are lots of different kinds of stories we could be telling here Um, I'm not sure that insanity is actually that uh, it's obvious and it's effective and one of my favourite theatrical works is Sweeney Todd have you seen the parody of an evangelical tract? Uh, well, there there are several uh, involving worshiping Cthulhu, but the one I'm thinking of is is the one that uh, essentially says, "Well, you know, this this horrible stuff is going to happen. Uh, what, what, why why should I worship Cthulhu in that case? Because the the people who worship him are going to get eaten first, and they're not going to have to see the rest of the world getting destroyed." Yeah, oh, that's that's very appealing to me. Not. Uh, okay, I think that what I was drifting towards was that uh, that there are other other means of telling stories, other routes of telling stories, and I think that a perfectly sane person who has chosen to dedicate themselves to evil, um might be a more frightening thing than any number of frothing madmen. Well, you're saying perfectly sane as though it were a binary. I mean, it is a continuum. Yeah. I, I'm not sure what sanity... Hmm. I, I need to... Hmm. Well, it's a combination of 
a utility. I mean, some somebody who is injuring themselves is is clearly not doing terribly well. Mm. Uh, and I, I would argue for a certain amount of social construction as well. But it's it's a combination of things. Yeah. I don't think we're going to come to a conclusion on this one, and perhaps I shouldn't have started. But I'm, I'm, I'm certainly thinking I, w- I will use this sort of thing more and more in games. But, uh... All right. Um, I also ought to mention I've been reading um, Greg Stalls's, um Unknown Armies mm-hmm. again. I, I've been playing the third edition recently. Mm. How's it going? It's a bit weird, but I think we've got the hang of it. Uh, the the yeah, the more detailed depiction of mental illness in it is definitely a feature. It's also something that um, something that puts your character's mental health um, at the front of the game almost all the time. It does seem to me, um, and this is the impression I got from the game I've been playing rather than from reading it, that one obvious division between PCs and NPCs is that PCs are largely caring about maintaining some degree of mental health, whereas a lot of NPCs at least are saying, woohoo, I can do this stuff. It no no longer hurts. Let's do more of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, onward to the next, and let us hope a more stable thing. This next item is a follow-up to um, a discussion, a mostly jokey discussion, on uh, Steve Jackson Games Forum about the applications of philosophy uh, to role-playing games. If the dice roll in the forest and there's nobody to look at them, do they critical? Mm. Um, yeah, I'm sure they, they did. No need to check. Yeah. One way or another, they critical. And I... One thing that came up bubbling to the surface of my mind is a concept put forward uh, by several philosophers, no notably by the American John Rawls in A Theory of Justice, which goes something like this. If you are constructing um, a social system, a world order, as you know philosophers do in their spare time, um, whilst brushing their teeth, probably, um, then you ought to consider it as if you were not yet born into the world as if you were um, a purely detached spirit and intellect, which has no particular position in the world, and say, if I'm going to be born into this world in a random place, at a random time, in a random social position, what do I want the world to be like? How would it be just for everybody to be born at any position in that world. Now, this, it has to be said, is an impossible mental task to perform. Getting yourself stripped of all your personal prejudices, assumptions, and unconscious privileges is the work of a lifetime or three. Um, yes, but the, but there's a trivial simplification of that, which is simply to say, all right, let, let us optimise things to for the random person, which in practice well, means the modal person, which in practice means we're going to try not to have great for a very few and horrible for everybody else. We're trying to have we're going to try to have okayish for everybody. I mean that remind, that's the remind me what modal means because I think I've got it wrong. Um, the sort that there is most of, except that if you go if you define social orders for those that there are most of, then you then you nef- inevitably tread on the toes of those that are former minority for whatever reason. Yes, but, but if, you, if you've, al- you've already gone away from let's try to make things good for everybody, because that's a much simpler thing to say, and that, that uh, isn't a statement of philosophy. It's a, mu- it's a much simpler thing to say, but a much harder thing to achieve. 
And similarly, Pareto optimality has its restrictions, but it has has some use in itself. Oh, hang on, hang on! You interrupted me. I was I was saying uh, that throwing away your um, throwing away your assumptions is is harder uh, than it uh, than, uh, than it looks. And I was going to say um, that rules like just about everybody in the world uh, uses this to. Um, uses this to prove what he wanted to prove in the first place. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm, I'm just saying um Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, every, every everybody go go goes in attempting to prove what they think they already know. But it occurred to me that this might be applicable to a certain extent to the game of planning a new uh role playing setting. Now, it, this has become more and more not a thing that the GM does on their own, but a thing that's done communally. Um, games like uh, Fate um, and and several others whose names escape my mind at this moment in time. Uh, Microsoft, Microscope. Oh, I nearly said Microsoft. Microscope. Well, mi- Microscope removes the actual role-playing setting part of it and just says, Let, let's build this collaborative world. Yeah. But uh, you can you can use that to create um, things that you'll later go on and role play in. And I thought that that, that this um, veil of ignorance, this original state um, concept, might be useful for role playing games as, as as a discipline for the for for the people setting up the system. It would work especially well, it occurred to me, when you're using a randomly, a system that uh, creates characters to some extent, randomly or not. Ran, uh, and, and, um, and that was the extent of my idea. I've got bubbling in the back of my mind the idea of a formal game of setting creation. And I'm wondering if we could run with this for a little while. Well, I do see some potential drawbacks. Um, One of which is that the obvious intended consequence of this approach is to reduce conflicts within the society. Yeah. And the the fewer conflicts you have in the society, the harder it is to get good game ideas out of it because games are largely about conflict. Yeah, right. Okay, that came up to my attention right, right away. The... It's one of the criticisms that was made of rules by mostly by Americans that uh, that nobody is really that conflict that risk averse, and that um, and that people are going to be happy for there to be certain a certain risk of them being born to disadvantage or disadvantaged by the process of living in the society. If they can achieve other things, or have the chance to achieve other things, I, I would expect the American approach would be tending towards "I don't care where I start as long as I can climb by my own efforts." Uh, that's their that's their national myth, um, and they cling to it um, cling to it as much as the British cling to the, the idea that they're the ch- uh, civilized chaps. I don't think we need to go into detail about the drawbacks to that, but I mean the obvious one is education. But, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and all the sub privileges, the privilege of wealth and position, yeah. will bring you. Um, the first thing that occurred to me, though, was players like to play heroes who are exceptional, as a, as a general rule. That is true. Yeah. Um, so, can- if everyone could do the thing. Why isn't everyone doing it? Or maybe everyone is doing it, in which case, why are these the people we're telling a story about? Okay. Yeah, so we, we want a certain... In a, in a role-playing game, unless we're designing something like Blue Rose, an ideal an idealised good society to be at the core of the game, and even they, you know, need nasty neighbours. Um... If if we're designing um, a society, is there a way to specify the degree of fucked upness that you're going to introduce into the world? Is this where I say genie, as in equality coefficient? 
you're going to have to explain what that is and how it how it can possibly be made into a. Um... It, it's a measure of the inequity of wealth distribution across a society. Okay. It's obviously a very crude one, but it is a nice simple number to calculate. Okay, based on what? How much money people have in in what sorts of numbers? Okay, so. Assuming that social position, uh, assuming we're going with a, a um, assuming that we're going with a random character generation system, and assuming that we can specify how rich the filthy rich really get, um, how do we how do we put that to the to the players as a hmm, as a cost in. Uh, how much it costs out of your uh, out of your store of character points um, to become filthy rich would be po- possible, or what the top limit on filthy rich is, or what dice you roll, or simply how much it matters in this particular society. Hmm. I would say uh, it occurs to me that a lot of games use um, different pools of points for different things so actually how about this you have a set of dice which you roll for your physical characteristics and you have a set of dice that you roll for your social advantages and you have a great pool of dice which you're going to assign within guidelines to what you're about to roll different types of dice and different combinations of dice so that you can make make a, your character likely to be stronger in a particular set of uh, abilities or is that just something that um, that tries to do character points and fails that sounds to me like character points and you've got these dice involved hmm yeah, it's the random it's the random element that you don't you need the random element because you don't know exactly in this thought experiment you don't know exactly where you're going to end up in the um, in the game universe. There are people who make uh, plausible and ongoing cases for random character generation. In my experience, this usually comes down to nobody will play the character like this if they're not forced to, and that's not the attitude I want to go into a game with. Okay, in that case, we may have to scrap this particular section of the... Well, I don't think the... randomness is, is, is a necessary part of this. No, um, I... Let, let's say you, you're, you're building a, a world on this basis. Oh, um, well. I mean, the, the, the classic thing, and it, 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 it's become a joke sometimes, is, you know, Quentin over there has paid 50, 50 of his points in order to be the second son of a duke. And those points have not gone into his intelligence, his sword skill... Everything else, and he's had to take a, a a couple of a couple of levels of repulsive appearance as well, uh, mm-hmm. just to balance things out. And it doesn't matter as long as the player has um, a character that that he feels has the things that he wants and that only has disadvantages he can put up with. I all right, maybe I'm going to open this up and say, when you're sitting down at a table. And you're doing this sort of um, of world building exercise. How much does the does the person who's going to be running it, the GM, need to bring to the table to spark something out? You don't really want to sit there for half an hour discussing whether you're going to be running a science fiction game or uh, or um, a a submersible based under underwater horror game um you want you want to have some sort of seed to make things take take off in what order and in what stages do you want to um do you want to um face the questions is there an optimal order of what you need to know first well I, I, I'm probably not the person to ask here because I'm, I'm rather more conventional in, in, in my approach to sure. world building. I'm much more likely to say, 
uh, do this do this at a higher level, I will say you know, here here are four general ideas. Here here is the modern occult investigation campaign. Here is the science fiction space naval campaign. That sort of thing. Get the players yeah. to sign on for one of those. So that so that by the time we get down to how do you feel about this, there will be already be an overarching framework to work in. Okay, well I'm I, I will I, I will answer my own question then and say maybe you don't need an order at all. I came across a pleasing um suggestion um recently that you take a, the GM creates a deck of questions, shuffles them and um and distributes them amongst the amongst the players who then get to get the right to lay down how that question is answered at least after some discussion with everybody else and i would say also that you might try um asking the the players to write questions of their own and shuffle them into the deck and see how it goes though I suspect you would need either to do that in multiple stages or, as I say, to have a framework to start with because some of some of the big questions are going to influence what smaller questions people want to ask. Yeah, you're quite right. There ought to be bands, levels of questions which get asked in a certain order, focusing down on things. I've seen proposals that you you write the history of the world and put in stuff. And whilst there are games like that will work like that, um, I'd prefer to start with what is the world like now, and mm. then use the create the history as justification for the way things have turned out. It is obviously possible to live in a world without knowing the details of its history. Mm. Uh, uh, but, uh, people do people do it every single day of the week. Mm. The other thing that occurred to me is if we're not talking about exceptional people, uh, then perhaps we're starting to map into uh, the soap operatic style. Now, some soap operas are certainly, gosh, look at these very rich people. But there are others which, which are meant to be, here are you know normal people you might meet down the pub having their lives and their problems. Now that's not not a style that's generally been very popular in role playing, but yeah, it seems to me that it could work. And and yeah, you know, so, something like Hillfolk does seem to me to be pushing things in that direction. Where you know most of the conflicts are conflicts between people who want things off each other rather yeah. than physical ones. Um, I I yeah I have um, I have limited sympathy with Hillfolk. It must be said. Oh, so do I. Sorry, I should call it Drama System as its proper title. Drama System, yeah. Um, um, It has many things about it which I find entirely unplayable, but that's not the point. No point. And um, if only we could find a uh, uh, means to make something like Fiasco um, work as a campaign, then I then I think you might see see more of that more of the the high end um every week somebody has amnesia somebody uh, burns down the house and uh, and so, somebody discovers they're pregnant um uh, type of soap opera might be um uh, might be uh, be appealing to uh role, role gamers who as i say have a tendency to like chewing the uh, furniture I must admit that when I consider a scenario like that, my my immediate response is, so there's this group of, let's say, five or six people who are constantly having these dramas, and the PCs are their vaguely sensible friends who have to sort the damn things out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've got an unfinished uh, story somewhere about, called The Minion. Uh, No, no, sorry, called The Lackey. Uh, which is a, a, about a gentleman's personal gentleman following a hero around and desperately uh, trying to keep him him and uh, and his good self alive whilst making a fortune. I, uh, I, yeah, the the actually that suddenly strikes me as reminiscent of life with master. Each of the players is uh, a lackey to some great hero, and they gather in the pub to lie about what their master has been done. 
All right. I, I thought that, I thought it was too a great villain, but I've never played it, so no, 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 no. I, the, the great the, the great hero thing was was my proposal for a, a variant on it. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, this philosophical idea seems to have sort of. Um, Died to death is that the technical term? Well, I think I think it has some potential. I don't I don't think it's a um, full motivator in itself, but I think it's got things to say. Okay, well, how do we introduce then to the? Um, Try to avoid building uh, a utopia. Uh, yeah, well, that is definitely something we want to avoid avoid doing. Um, that there are utopian role playing games, but I've, I've never quite understood them. Uh, mostly because I've never lived in a utopia, I suppose. It would be fair to say that transhuman space is utopian for mo- many of the people in it, and even yeah. for some of the people in grotty places, they they can potentially get out and go somewhere a bit nicer. But that's not the bit that you tell stories about. No, why? The uh, there ought to be some way to uh, give players a. Um, a world which is full of really cool things that they want to do, and introduce them, and and somehow make them aware of the risk of them not being at the top. And I'm not quite sure what the way is to do it. the The, the element of randomness is, ensures that players have um, the risk of finding themselves not in a good place, but. And as you say, it would be very tedious. All right. Fate, to a certain extent, um, enshrines this in the system by saying, you know, not only have to have some very cool things about yourself, you have to have at least one aspect that is trouble. Mm -hmm. And being lower class is always trouble, I, uh, I, I tend to believe. I certainly think this is better than... Um, I think D and D may have done it first, having a a random role for your social class. Yeah, um, I can't recall where I first. Oh well, probably in On Guard, um, which is all about social class. And climbing from the bottom in On Guard is actually quite satisfying. At least in the early stages, you you there are there are things you can go out and do that will grab you large amounts of social credit. Um, and push you up the uh, the slippery pole um, at speed. It's only later that things get subtle, and you you have to do things like ambush people on the doorstep of their mistress, um, and uh, and um, influence the king to give you, uh, give your lackey his job rather than his lackey. Never mind, it's complicated. And uh, do do not go to the front and, and be brave. It, it rarely ends well. I, I don't know if you've got absolutely nothing else you can do. Oh, sure. Going to, the, going to the front is a good idea. Bravery, on the other hand, I I I I, I quite agree about. Yeah. Be, be a poltroon and then explain that everybody else got killed, but you got away because he was so brave. Uh, that's the ideal here. Uh, that's that's paranoia as well. <laughs> Let's. Uh... What can I say? It's the way I think. Okay. There's always an annoying witness somewhere. <laughs> well, I think I, I've squeezed the last drops out of this, but I do think the idea of creating some formalised rules or at least guidelines about how you do cooperative world building is a good one. And I'd like to thank the people um, on RPGNet who sprang to my aid with ideas for this thread. Um and uh, hope that it pleased them and that they saw something of their own contributions in the middle of it. If you'd like to tell us about how you go about constructing um, new worlds, which have no insanity in them whatsoever... Uh, then you can contact us by... Uh, leave a message on the website or email podcast at tekeli.ly And we'll be back um, in blazing June. <laughs>